Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I would like to tell you about a film that I've watched uh, recently. It's called A Million Miles Away. Okay, and this is probably my favourite film I've watched of, of recent, uh, recently. Um, and it's based on a true story about a man called Jose Hernandez. Um, he's a Mexican uh, immigrant into the US. Uh, his dream is to be an astronaut. Okay, and you might, if you know me, you might know that um, I, I normally don't like films about space. Because in general, I like films that are like loosely real, and like I, I know that space is real, but <laughs> most films about space are like sci-fi drivel, in my opinion. Um, but um, so for Jose in this film, uh, every decision in his life is kind of made towards being accepted onto the NASA space program so that he may become an astronaut. So in his own time and out of his own money, he uh, learns to fly a plane, he learns Russian, he runs marathons, anything uh, that can help him achieve his dream of becoming an astronaut, okay? It's a great film, give it a watch, and then then come chat to me and we'll debrief. Yeah. Um, It's a story about a man with a crystal clear purpose and every action kind of in his life that he makes uh, feeds into that purpose. And now um, there's a different purpose and therefore different actions, but we see the same thing as we open our Bibles. And we're going to see that same thing as we look at our passage in Isaiah this morning. Um, and as we've looked at the book of Isaiah, we've tried to zoom out and see the big picture of God's story, uh, of the narrative of God and man, his people. And now the prophecy that, uh, from Isaiah that we're going to read today is, is really in a context of a people who, who are well and truly kind of lying in the bed that they have made. Um, This is a dark time for the people of Israel. They have forgotten the ways of the Lord, largely. Um, The praise on their lips is not for Yahweh, um, but for the idols of the land. And I loved looking at chapter 11 last week, the the prophecy that a shoot will come up from the branch of Jesse, uh, that the hope for God's stricken people um, is not in their current circumstance, wealth, or power, but in the covenantal love and faithfulness of God to his people that we see throughout the Bible. So today's passage is going to speak to the questions of what will that change look like for God's people? What will salvation look like? What will freedom look like? Um, And these are questions that we see in the time of Isaiah and that the prophecy is speaking into. Uh, We see people grapple with this as we read the Gospels and encounter Jesus. And we see these questions um, uh, that we can ask and and that we see being asked around us today. 
so our passage today is Isaiah 42. So if, you, if you're able to turn to that in your Bibles, but also be uh, on the screen. Um, and this chapter starts with four words. Here is my servant. So in the backdrop of desolation for God's people, idol worship, hopelessness, through Isaiah, God lifts up before his people his servant, the servant of the Lord. Into this hopelessness comes the servant of the Lord. So today in our passage, we're going to see who this servant is, what the servant is going to do, and how they are going to accomplish that. And as we look at these things, it will ultimately speak of the character, the plan, the nature of God, of Jesus. But, but it also, as, as the body of Christ on earth, we can look at these things in the light of the church and what it means for us as Christ's representatives on earth. So let's um, turn to chapter 42 together. Um, and I'm going to read so Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Here is my servant, whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Wow, what what words this morning. But here is my servant. Hope will be restored to God's people through the servant of the Lord. Who is the servant of the Lord spoken about here? Um, I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear of those verses, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him, my mind immediately goes to Jesus' baptism. Um, and of Jesus' baptism in Matthew, we read, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And in John's account of Jesus' baptism, uh, we read, so chapter 134 says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So the servant, Jesus, is lifted high as the chosen one one of God. And I just now, I would like us to dig a little bit deeper into scripture and see where we see that phrase chosen and what it means. So in Genesis 12, God chooses Abraham and his family. God tells Abraham that he will make him into an entire nation that will prosper, grow, have a great reputation and be secure. Why? God says to Abraham, so that all families on earth will be blessed through you. Later, we read of God choosing Israel. Um, So God rescues his people out of Egypt. He leads them to Mount Sinai to establish a covenantal relationship with them. Um, And Exodus 19 verse 5, we read, 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. In the very next sentence, God reveals why he has chosen Israel. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. (coughs) Israel is chosen to be a kingdom of priests. Now, the role of a priest is to mediate or restore the relationship between two parties. The two parties here are Yahweh and the nations. So Israel's job is to reconcile all nations to God. So God chooses, he chooses one out of the many so that the many would be blessed. So God chooses Abraham, Israel, us, not because, but for. Not because of any attributes or standing, but chosen for the purposes of God. I think when we see chosen in this way, there's no no pride. There is a responsibility. There is a call. But with this chosen for, we see in our passage, there is an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 of our passage today says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. The Lord's servant will be full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was fully God and in equal measure fully human. To turn water into wine, walk on water, raise the dead. He was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. He was not walking um, the earth with a superpower cheat code that saw him bypass the restrictions of human nature. He walked the earth, experiencing the physical confines of humanity to the point of experiencing death itself. The power he displayed was from his deep, loving relationship that we see displayed in the Trinity, his oneness with the Father And the Holy Spirit placed upon him. Uh, We read in Matthew's gospel, uh, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the servant of the Lord. In order to serve, the son stepped fully into humanity, fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived the human life we could not And he did so, so that he could give his life as a ransom for many. He chose separation from the Father that should have been ours, so that we could know oneness with him, so that we could know the Spirit on and inside us. So we have seen that salvation for the nations will come through the Lord's servant, Jesus, who is the chosen one of God, who is upheld and delighted in and on whom the Spirit of God is placed. Um, So now I want us to have a look at what this servant is going to do. So I'm just going to read that first verse again. And here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring 
justice to the nations. The Lord's servant, Jesus, is the one who will bring justice to the nations, establish the perfect rule and reign of God. But but what, what does that justice mean? What does that look like? I want us to have a little look at that word justice we read in our passage today. Um, so in Exodus chapter 26, God is giving Moses instructions on how to build the tabernacle. And he says, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. So here God is giving Moses a blueprint for building the tabernacle. Now, the word for justice we read in today's passage um, is the same as the word plan used here in Exodus. So God's justice is God's plan, his promise, his blueprint for the perfect rule and reign of God. God has a plan for the nations, for human existence. Um, Now, this week in our community group, Uh, We looked at the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. And through this encounter uh, with Jesus, this this woman is totally transformed. So kind of after this meeting, we we read in John chapter 4 from verse 39. uh, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So that when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So through this encounter, uh, through his encounter with this woman, Jesus, the servant of the Lord, is transforming a Samaritan town, bringing the nations back to him. Um, At this point, I want us to take a step back here and think, so what were the disciples who were with Jesus What are their expectations here? What are they thinking? What's going on in their head? So this uh, is at the start of John's gospel. And so it would have been the very early days of the disciples kind of following Jesus. Um, They were just about getting used to being this very ragtag group of Jews brought together by Jesus. Um, They're getting used to um, communing with uh, someone who who used to impoverish the Jews by uh, collecting tax for the Romans and that he was part of uh, Jesus' plans. But now, a Samaritan woman. So a Samaritan uh, despised people by the Jews, seen as the worst of the Gentiles. And a woman, uh, so an ancient text of that time, uh, said, better is the wickedness of a man than a woman who does good. It is a woman who brings shame and disgrace. So just just awful, but that's the context in which Jesus is speaking into. And from these two demographics, this particular woman is ostracised and shamed by her own community. So many Samaritans from that town came to believe in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. Can you, can you imagine the disciples as observers? Like, this, this is not how I thought it would go down. But this is how God knew it would go down. This is God's plan, his blueprint, bringing justice to the nations. Here we see the servant of the Lord bringing justice to the nations. 
we see his redemptive plan to bring the islands back to him unfolding. How beautiful. So Jesus, the servant of the Lord, brings justice to the nations. And we see that just so beautifully in this story here. Um, so, and we, so later, we see, we see Jesus brings justice uh, to the nations through the disciples. Uh, these people whose idea of justice and God's redemptive plan has just been totally turned upside down in that last story. The disciples will later be filled with the Holy Spirit and then they serve the Lord. They build the early church, taking the good news of Jesus to the nations. And we see God's plan of justice to the nations unfolding ever since then. So uh, we can think of um, Amy Carmichael, a missionary. She was inspired to travel from Northern Ireland to India, where she fought child trafficking, uh, cared for and shared the love of Christ to thousands and thousands of children. And um, some of our Give Big Money will go to Hope for Communities, led by Sharo and Alexis. Their mission is to bring the hope of Jesus to refugees and internally displaced people in northern Iraq. Closer to home, um, as CCM, we support the Oasis Centre. Born out of a vision, God gave Victoria Armstrong to build a centre that would be like a beating heart, pumping out the love of Christ to the people of Gorton. And whenever we share the gospel, when we imitate Christ with gentleness and kindness, when we financially support global or local mission, we join in with that call that God has given us as the church. And in all these things, we see God's plans for the nations unfolding. God chooses us for his plan to bring justice to the nations, whether that's the other side of the world or, or with our next door neighbour. We have the promise of God's plan that Jesus, the servant of the Lord, will bring justice to the nations. And finally, let's have a look at how will the servant bring justice to the nations. We read, a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. So how will the servant of the Lord bring forth justice? In gentleness and faithfulness. I think we can sit here and kind of take in that answer and think, yeah, that's, that's lovely. Kind of, I'm glad for God's gentleness. But I want us to put ourselves in, in the shoes of the people of Judah in this time when Isaiah is speaking. Um, so that they would have seen and heard what's happening to the nations around them. You've got the Assyrians, you've got the Babylonians. They've got some big and powerful enemy, uh, sorry, big and powerful armies that are around them. And here, and here's Isaiah saying that their hope is in the servant of the Lord and that a bruised wick he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Gentleness, 
They don't want gentleness. They want firepower. They want their enemies to be blown away. And with their enemies defeated, they will live in peace, freedom, fullness of life. And in fact, in, in Mark, um, when Peter proclaims to Jesus for the first time, you are the Messiah, after this, Jesus immediately starts to explain that he will suffer and be killed. Jesus knows that the disciples want that firepower too, that the Messiah is going to defeat the Romans, save all their worldly problems. Jesus knows what they're thinking. They're looking for a warrior who is going to win the war, but they've got the war all wrong. Jesus says that the ultimate battle is with sin. The enemy that Jesus came to defeat was sin, and he defeated that enemy once and for all on the cross. The servant of the Lord will bring forth justice in gentleness and faithfulness. Jesus did not outgun the powers of the world around him. He is in the business of gentle restoration. And we can trust in the gentle restoration of Jesus because it is the plan of God to bring justice to the nations. Um, and we see two implications of, of gentleness, of the gentleness of Jesus emphasised in this passage. Firstly, a bruised wick he will not break. We see time and time again that Jesus sees people in their weakness, their fragility. And he treats those people with a tenderness that brings healing, not breaking. And secondly, a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Sometimes we can identify with that in our faith. Um, But Jesus is in the business of gentle restoration. The servant of the Lord is gentle, but he is not weak. He will never grow weary and he will never grow weary of his plan to bring justice to the nations and his promise for each bruised wick. We might not find ourselves um, under threat from the Assyrian army, but um, there are times when we can feel bruised, faint and struggle to see hope for the world around us. In those times... We can do well to come back to those first four words of Isaiah 42. Here is my servant. Into a broken world steps the Son of Man, anointed with the Holy Spirit to bring justice to the nations. And it is a plan that we, the church, have been called into. And as we think about um, Jose Hernandez and his dream to be an, an astronaut, a dream that shaped every choice he made, God's big plan is the reconciliation of man and God, bringing justice to the nations, to the ends of the earth. To achieve this, he lifts up his chosen one, not the warrior of the Lord, but the servant of the Lord. And if we're here and we call Jesus our Messiah, our servant, we are called into that big picture of of God's big plan. 
In Jesus' victory over sin, over our sin, we are given his righteousness and we are brought into God's chosen to then bring justice to the nations. Not chosen because, but chosen for. And as we are chosen for, we are not alone, but one with Christ, given and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, now, at this moment, as we, as we look at the news, as we, uh, as we look at our city, we are confronted so, so starkly with brokenness, sin, death. And don't our hearts just ache for justice to the nations? We have a firm hope that one day Jesus will return and establish perfect justice. Until then, we the church are God's plan A, B and C to bring God's justice to the nations. As I finish, I want to read you this passage uh, one last time. Um, I'd just, I'd love you to let the hope that we hear in these words wash over you, soak into you. I'm going to read the passage again. Just bring yourself to the Lord and let, just let yourselves receive these words. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope.